L.L. Bean has partnered with the National Park Foundation to help you find your happy place. And with more than 400 national parks, there's a good chance you'll find one close to home. Discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. world's largest RV manufacturer and North America's largest campground chain want RVers to clean up America's public lands. Will you pitch in? Will a gasser get you by or do you really need a diesel engine in your new truck or motorhome? And whether you're buying or selling an RV, Paige Boma from RV Trader has all the tips as well as some of her best RV travel advice. You're listening to RV Miles. Welcome to episode 93 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, crisscross North America in our converted school bus. Each week, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot of rando. Hey, I wanted to start the show off today. I, I came across this article that I found very interesting. We've talked about the overcrowding happening at national parks a lot recently. And specifically at Zion National Park, there's difficulties with the Angels Landing Trail. Difficulty is putting it politely. (laughs) Where a herd of cattle (laughs) line up to climb up a really dangerous trail and grab onto some chains and go float out over the Zion Canyon. With fantastic views at the top. (laughs) I've been told the park has been trying to find ways to make this safer. And one of the things that's being floated is a permit system where you get a permit and there are so many permits given out per day. Don't you mean permit? Permit. No. When you listen to this, you're going to hear how very different. Permit. 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 A permit. This is like when you say insurance instead of insurance. (laughs) Now I'm confused. It's a permit. I have to go get a permit. Or a permit. They're both fine. You could say it either way. No, wait. Now I think I'm wrong. Hold on. (laughs) Anyway, the idea being that there are only a certain number of permit permits available in a day. (laughs) And if you get one, you can do the hike. And if you don't get one, you can't do the hike. Well, an interesting story coming out of Yosemite National Park shows that that actually may not be the way to solve the problem. Permits were put into place for the Half Dome hike at Yosemite back in 2010. And it was because there were some, there was slipping, there was falling, there were people dying. And over the course of the last nine years, people have had to get permits to hike the Half Dome at Yosemite. Well, what's happened the amount of rescues has not changed yet half as many people are hiking half dome so effectively the chances of somebody getting into peril hiking half dome since they put the permit system in place have doubled now how can that be you say what in the world makes that happen nobody knows but they speculate that perhaps People get these permits and they might push themselves to do something that they wouldn't do otherwise. If they're not feeling it, they're not turning around because they're thinking, I'm never going to have another chance to do this again. If they're having a bad day, they're they really weren't in the uh, in the mindset to hike that hike, but they've got the permit to do it. So they might as well do it. It's that sort of thing. That makes sense. But don't you think some of it might also just be the trail itself? Maybe the trail is not one that an average hiker should be on. Perhaps it's a trail that requires a little bit of training and knowledge before you go out on it. Yeah, I don't know. Certainly. But that doesn't explain why that doesn't explain why they've doubled. It, It could also it could also have something to do with the fact that with less people out there, they're feeling more freedom to roam off trail or, or just Act do. Act fool. I don't know. I don't know. But the hard data 
shows that limiting the number of people on these trails might not actually save lives. What's the answer then? Because the trails are overrun. There's a lot of foot traffic. And frankly, it is dangerous whether they're, you know, you're just packed. They're packed yeah. in like sardines. I, I don't know landing. that there, I don't know that there is a good answer. I mean, I do think, I mean, I really do think they should entertain that idea of putting a zip line back at the top. <laughs> I mean, I know it was an April fool's joke, quick but way down. you know, it's a quick way down and it really does free up some space. So I just, you know, this is so off topic, but I really do love the National Park Service on April Fool's Day. They come up with some really funny ones. And that one, while it was really taking a stab at a serious topic, one that's got a lot of people frustrated, it was pretty funny. That's what made it pretty funny. I know. Is that it was just <laughs> for half a second. The timing was perfect. What's great in the comments were people were, were taking it seriously and yeah. they were getting really angry and everyone was having to remind them. Today is April 1st. <laughs> They're not really going to put a zip line in at the top of Angel's Landing. Hey, we're coming to you this week from Mobile, Alabama. Loving it. We are we are on sort of the last leg of our trip in and around and about the Gulf Coast and about to make our way north. And we're having a an excellent time here. Mobile is not a town that was ever really on my radar as a tourist destination. But I got to tell you, this is one of the best places we've ever been. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. So we're looking forward to telling you all about Mobile in a couple of weeks. Uh, but that's not going to happen on this week's episode. You got to wait for that. We got we got other towns to tell you about. But there's a, there's a even, queue happening here right now. There is. We have we still have Pensacola to cover the Gulf Shores. We have Mobile. And, you know, we are as soon as we're done here, we're heading towards the Carolinas. We're going to go up into Tennessee for a second, drop the bus off, and then we're headed into North Carolina for almost a, like two or three weeks, I think. Yeah, we're kind of on this little stint, um, and I hope you guys don't hold this against us. <laughs> we're on this little stint. We're going to we're gonna be uh, playing around with what it's like to be a car traveling family, and, uh, and this has nothing to do with our future or anything. It's just uh, something that seemed convenient. There's some opportunities that opened up. For us. So we're staying at some hotels. We're staying with some friends. We're going to be staying probably in like maybe some cabins or yurts in a campground at some point. And we're going to be exploring that just a little bit. But well, mainly, you know, we'll still be talking about these great destinations for, for the next few weeks. Well, and I think that's a little bit of the evolution of this podcast as we continue to talk about and kind of flesh this out a little bit is that we recognize that we have people who join us every week that are varied in their um and how they like to travel and so it's just really nice when every once in a while we can deviate from what we know deviate from living in the bus and traveling in the bus and go back and experience different forms of travel for everyone and car travel is the way a lot of families experience their vacation every summer and it's not something we have done in a while i don't think we've done a real serious sort of like car adventure since disneyland in 2015 no. So this is going to be if RVing is foreign to a lot of people, this is this is going to be very foreign to us because it is I don't know how to travel without everything I need. <laughs> I, have, I don't know how to do it anymore. We're also traveling really quickly uh, when we go to these destinations. And that's not something we're used to either. We often spend, you know, a week to two weeks in a place and we're going to be doing a lot of sort of two and three night stints. Um, so that's going to be a whole new, new surprise for us. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm a little nervous as well. <laughs> We're just going to need to make sure the kids have a lot of movies in the car and you and I have downloaded a lot of podcasts and plenty of good music. Hey, one of the biggest conversations that people have when they're looking to buy a new RV, whether they're looking to buy a trailer or they're looking to buy a motorhome, some sort is whether to go diesel or gasoline. What are the pros and cons involved? Well, wasn't it Shakespeare, particularly Hamlet, that said to diesel or not to diesel? That is the question. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was it was Shakespeare's brother, Bill. Bill. Yeah. No, I uh, know his name. No, is it was Walter Shakespeare. <laughs> so I I've put together, I, you know, I have a lot of thoughts on this. We've we've owned both. We do own both right now. We own a gasoline car and we own a, a diesel bus right now and and there are a lot of pros and cons to consider and it's not 
cut and dry, like some might make you believe. So I sort of put together an article you can check out on the on the website about this. But I want to go through a, a few of the pros and cons of owning a diesel or or not. Let's go, Walter. <laughs> well, first of all, is it is a diesel vehicle better? Yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. If you're towing or in a motorhome, diesel is better. If your definition of better is can tow more weight and gets better fuel mileage, a diesel is better. But the question you have to ask yourself, is it worth the money? Because a diesel, you know, an upgrade for for like an F-250, 2019 F-250, Ford Super Duties, the upgrade from the 6.2 liter gasoline engine to the 6.7 liter power stroke turbo diesel is $9,120. That's a, that's a huge difference. I mean, you could buy another truck for that amount. I can tell you there are so many things I could do at $10,000. I think my question when looking at that would be maintenance. Will I make that back in longevity yeah. of the vehicle? Yeah. So here's the thing they, they do say that the maintenance cost on a diesel is a little bit less than a gasoline engine, but it's not that much money, you know, difference when it comes to maintenance costs. When it comes to repairs, however, diesel repairs are way more expensive than a gasoline engine, but diesels don't need to be repaired as often. So there's, you know, again, another trade-off. When it comes to fuel efficiency, diesels get much better fuel efficiency than a gasoline engine, but diesel fuel is usually more expensive. Most of this stuff kind of works out to a wash. Yeah. So on that fuel efficiency topic, I think for me, why I would lean towards the diesel. But again, you know, this there could be other things that offset this is I would be thinking, well, what is better for the environment? What's putting out less? If I'm purchasing less fuel, is that better in the long run? Like if I'm going to have to purchase more gas, then I'm going to have to purchase more diesel. But I don't know about the emissions that are being given off. I don't know what the the backside is to that. I am sure, again, that it's going to be something that balances itself. But there would be these environmental aspects that I would want to ask myself and look at in regards to diesel versus fuel well, that, or diesel versus gasoline. And that's absolutely true. A diesel gives off a, a bit more pollution. Modern diesels are not so bad but they give off a bit more pollution than a gasoline engine, but you're buying less fuel overall, less volume of fuel. So you're, you know, depleting oil reserves a little less. Again, another trade-off. So I think what you have to look at though, is sort of the main factors that really make a diesel shine. And that's, that's power. A diesel has all kinds of low end torque and all the strength you need to tow something really heavy or to move a very heavy motor home. And that's going to make all the difference, especially in that fuel efficiency, because diesels care less about weight. So fuel efficiency isn't isn't a simple equation like this vehicle uses X amount of fuel and the more weight I, I pull, it's going to be a straight line graph of an increase in fuel. It doesn't exactly work that way. Diesels the more weight you put on them, it, it, it doesn't really change the fuel that they use quite as much. But a gasoline engine, it absolutely does. If you put a ton of weight on a gasoline engine or you start pulling that weight uphill, it makes a huge difference. So really, when it comes to deciding about whether or not to get a diesel engine, it comes down to weight. And for me, the smallest RVs, the lightest RVs, diesel absolutely is not required. The midweight RVs, it's really nice if you can afford it. And the heaviest RVs, you're towing a big fifth wheel, you have a big class A motor home, it's absolutely required for those. You're definitely going to want the longevity of that engine and you're definitely gonna want the power of that engine. It also sounds like what kind of traveler are you gonna be? Yeah. How many miles a year do mm -hmm. you plan on putting on the car and, and towing? And where do you plan on going? If you're gonna be up into the mountains, if you're gonna wanna go into the Rockies, if you're gonna wanna go over you know, into the Great Smoky Mountains and you're gonna be doing a lot of uphill pull and a lot of downhill and those grades are gonna be steep, you're gonna want something that's going to be able not to be pushed to its limit, but to be just 
barely pushed. Especially if you're getting a truck to pull a, a trailer and you're only going to be using that trailer maybe two weeks out of the year, plus a couple camping weekends and most of it's local or whatever. Yeah. And you're going to be driving that gasoline truck all over. Gasoline and diesel doesn't make really much of a, a difference in town. It really the the difference comes on the highway. Yeah. As we talk about our future and our future of travel with Wanderbus and beyond Wanderbus, I can't imagine that we personally wouldn't purchase a diesel truck. Yeah. It, for the size of RV that our family of five will need, if we do end up switching to a trailer at some point, which is what we've considered, uh, we'd certainly be in a diesel. And, and the thing is too, that this is, this is a huge consideration as well is getting the fuel itself. You might think that diesel is harder to come by. Um, and to a small extent it is, there are some gas stations, especially in cities that don't have diesel, but it can be very difficult to maneuver a gasoline motorhome or truck with a big trailer behind it into the fuel islands at a, at a typical gas station. Diesel, you usually can use the the truck lanes in the back if you're at a truck stop or even the rural stations will often have the diesel pump like off to the side so you can pull up by it. Uh, you know, every now and then we've had to pull our, our bus while we're towing the car behind it into a regular gas station fuel island to get to get the diesel. And that can be a big challenge. And I hear RVers with a gas truck complain all the time about finding fuel, about being able to get into those stations. It's really challenging. And that's why you hear people say, oh, we only get fuel at Flying J's because Flying J's have an RV lane where they've got gasoline available, but you can't just count on that. Our, Flying J's aren't everywhere. And they're also like 30, 40 cents more expensive. Yeah, RV, Flying J also knows that. And that's why they price their gasoline the way they do. So clearly the bottom line is that there is no right or wrong. And there is no clear answer. And there are some food for thought here in this article that you can check out. Before yeah, you there's make actually the like seven or eight more different things to consider. Yeah. Uh, so definitely check that out at RVMiles.com. I'm going to put a link in the show notes as well. Are you looking for a cooler that is made in America with an actual lifetime warranty by a company trusted since 1976? Then you are looking for our friends at pelicancoolers.com. And we, we've been talking a lot about their hard-sided coolers lately, but we want to tell you about their soft coolers because these things are super awesome. You know, I'm looking at our sweet one sitting right <laughs> over here in the living room of the hotel. It's like having one of the big giant rotomotive coolers in, in that same insulation, but, but you've got it in a soft cooler. The, the insulation on this thing, it's like an inch plus thick on a soft-sided cooler. Now, why is a soft-sided cooler important? Well, I'll tell you, lots of like ballparks and uh, Amusement theme parks. parks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were you, in the same mindset. You can only bring in soft-sided coolers to a lot of those places. This thing is going to give you the cooling power that you expect from Pelican coolers but it's in a soft-sided model. And we absolutely love it for picnics, for going to all these different recreational activities, putting in our lunch and having everything be nice and cold when we're ready to open up, even when it's like sitting in our hot van, which it often is. Yeah, and here's the thing, and I think there's no secret about this anymore. Warm cheese is my kryptonite, okay? I can't do it, I can't eat it, I can't look at it, I can't touch it. and I love cheese and I never want to pack it because I always feel like if we leave somewhere in the morning and I pack up the cheese in the cooler, by the time we get to it in the afternoon, I'm not going to want to touch it. And then the kids, when they see me not eat something, then they think something's up and then they won't eat it. This, this keeps cheese cold. I love it. Head over to pelicancoolers.com slash RV miles and use promo code RV miles at checkout when you purchase your soft sided cooler because you will score a free tumbler to keep your drinks cold with your cold cheese. That's pelicancoolers.com slash RV miles. Use the code RV miles. It's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. A 27 inch by 27 inch square metal plate 
needs to be fixed by a carpenter onto a wooden board. The carpenter uses nails all along the edges of the square, such that there are 28 nails on each side. Each nail is at the same distance from the neighboring nails. How many nails does the carpenter use? And the answer was 108. The four corners of the square have one nail each, so they double for the sides. So each side of the square now requires 26 nails, excluding the four corners. Thus, the total number of nails is 4 plus 4 times 26, which equals 108. Our winner was Carlos Hernandez from California, who will be receiving a Not All Who Wonder Are Lost t-shirt, and you'll have a chance to win yours at the end of the show. Well, if you're looking for a new RV or you're looking to sell your RV, one of the best resources in the world is RVTrader.com. And I was fortunate enough to speak with Paige Boma, vice president at RV Trader, about all the tips and tricks for selling and buying RVs, whether you're using RV Trader or not, as well as some of her best camping advice. Paige, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jason. Thanks a bunch for having me today. Let's start out with talking about you as an RVer. You work for RV Trader, but you put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. You are you are an RVer. What kind of rig do you travel in with your family, and where do you like to go? I am. We are um, a big RV family to the point that we actually are in our RV about 30 weekends a year and a couple um, week-long trips during the year also. We RV in our, um, we've got a 2018 Heartland Cyclone. It's a 3611 with a jumbo slide. So it's got the big slide within a slide. It's an amazing unit for our family because it's got a big garage and we've got two young boys um, that also ride dirt bikes. So for us, it's been the, the perfect unit. We usually travel to dirt bike tracks is one of our um, our main places we go. But we also go kind of all over, really all over the country. It's so hard to kind of pick my favorite places to go. My top three would probably be, we love Charlottesville, Virginia. We love to go to St. Augustine, Florida. And then my all-time favorite is Charleston, South Carolina. So what got you, what got you started in RVing? So my husband and I started, he was racing um, dirt bikes when we were, we were just newly married and we started actually with renting. So we would rent to, we would rent a little pop-up to take to the racetrack. And then when I started working at RV Trader, that's actually when I think I got like really bit by the bug and excited to start to buy an RV. I became like obsessed looking online and looking at all the different options and the configurations and outdoor kitchens and the beds and like everything about it was just was exciting. So it got us really excited to actually buy our first unit. That search for for RVs on the Internet is always a little difficult. And I I think, you know, RV Trader fulfills that niche a little bit uh, or, or quite a bit, actually, for a lot of people. You guys do a fantastic job of creating a space for people to both buy and sell them. Absolutely. We really work hard on making sure that it's a very easy way to bring the buyers and the sellers together. When it's, we've got about 213,000 units on our site. And then we've got all the different ways to connect you with the buyers and sellers. So whether it's from texting or chatting with somebody or emailing, you know, we've got it capability to save listings. Probably one of my favorite features is also that you can save a listing and then have a price alert on it so that if a price drops, you can easily see that and you'll get alerted. So you can be the first one to call that dealer or call that seller. Since we're talking about ways to find them, what what is some of your best advice for people that are looking to buy a new RV? me, I've got kind of two pieces of advice I would say for buying a new RV. And the first one is be open. And the second is ask questions. And when I think about being open, I even think about myself and our journey to buy our three different units that we've purchased. 
you kind of start where you're thinking to yourself, this is exactly what I'm looking for. And I know for us, we got like this giant list between us and our kids of, you know, we wanted a residential refrigerator. I wanted light wood, not dark wood. We wanted a 12 foot garage. So you, you know exactly what you want and you start to get kind of stuck in that. And I tell everybody like, be open to looking at other things. So when you're searching online, you know, look at if you're thinking about a fifth wheel, look at all different fifth wheels. Don't get stuck on one specific thing because there are so many amazing floor plans out there um, that you just want to be open to look to look at all of them. And then my second is on ask questions. Be engaged when you are looking for an RV. Call dealers, chat with dealers, text with them. Ask them all the questions. They're the experts out there. So you're lucky to have you know, all these great dealerships there to lean on and they can give you advice and kind of steer you in that right direction. But then also when you're, whether you're renting, you know, before you buy to try it or you already have a unit and you're thinking about your next one, which usually starts immediately. I always tell everybody, knock on RV doors. When we're camping, the amount of times that we have either knocked on somebody's door or we've met somebody you know, while we're out grilling and, you know, to say like, Hey, do you like your unit? What do you like about it? And being able to like kind of walk through somebody else's rig is pretty cool to be able to see what, what works and what doesn't work. We had somebody last week when we were camping in um, North Carolina, we had someone came up with him, his wife and his child and said, we love your rig. We love the double slide. You know, what do you guys think about it? Do you like it? Would you recommend it? So those are my top two things. It's be open to all different floor plans and different ideas and ask questions. That's such great advice. You know, we we always think we have to go to a dealership or an RV show to see the inside of an RV. When if we're at a campground already, there are a lot of people that would be willing to to let you take a look at theirs. And, right, and we're friendly people. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> are friendly. And we had the people that came to visit us, like they came in, they had a drink. We, you know, had appetizers like in our camper. And with these people that we've never met before, we've got their phone numbers. We're now friends with them. So it's great. Yeah. And being open is so important. Building an RV is about compromise for these manufacturers. They have to cut stuff yeah. in order to fit stuff. And if you want everything, your RV is either going to be massive or the most expensive RV and still have some compromises. So it's, it's really important to look at all the things out there. I think, you know, just like if you were buying a house, just go look, <laughs> doesn't mean yeah. you have to buy it. Doesn't mean you have to buy it, but you know, no, just look and see what's out there. It's funny. You say that about compromise. When I was looking for our camper, it took us two years. So we were becoming very, very picky and we got super narrow minded with exactly what we wanted. And I was at an RV show and I was talking with one of the head designers for one of the manufacturers. And he was, you know, he's saying, well, what exactly are you looking for? I was like, well, I can't find it. I'm looking for this, 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 and this. And he gave me probably the best advice that I've heard, which was, he said, if you can find a unit that fits 70% of your needs, you will be happy. Yeah. And that resonated with me. Like I immediately was like, you know what? He's right. Like I, for me to be out there looking for 100% of exactly what I need, he was perfectly super right with, with that. And I immediately found our unit. We actually bought it about a week or two after this, um, this conversation and I became open and, and looked at more units. You want an outdoor kitchen, but you're going to sacrifice storage. You know, that sort of stuff right. is always a, it's always something to think about. So on RV Trader, what are people's options for exploring that stuff? What are, what are the ways that they can be open or selective about searching for RVs? Well, you can go in, um, we have an app, so you can actually start searching directly through the apps. So you can put it on your, on your phone, on your iPhones, and you can search from there. You can also go to our homepage and you can search by manufacturer. You can go in, you can search by class, by, by type of what you're looking for. And um, so you can go in and say, you know what I'm looking, I think I'm gonna look for fifth wheels and you can go in and see like all the different fifth wheels that are in your area. I always tell everybody to ex expand out your search a bit, right? Like don't just look just in your, in your backyard, ex expand it out. Yeah, I think that's that goes with being open, being open about how far you want to look for one, be open about the type. I think people have really specific wants for a certain type of RV and 
and maybe maybe that's offered already in a fifth wheel, but you've been avoiding looking at fifth wheels. Well, you know, open that up. Yeah, because you might be afraid of how does it hitch into your, you know, back of, back of your truck. Mm-hmm. And so if you, again, go back to like the my two pieces of advice, like then ask the questions, talk to those dealers, ask them about their advice for a fifth wheel and how it hitches. We, um, that was what we were worried about. Like my husband was just like, just did not want to have his bed taken up with this giant hitch that you can't get out. So we were having conversations all through chat, by the way, with the dealer that we ended up buying from. And he recommended an Anderson hitch, which we never even heard of, but it's super lightweight. We can pull it out because we ride dirt bikes. So we want to be able to get our bikes in and out of our pickup truck also. So it was just, you know, all about, we asked those questions, but we were against the fifth wheel to start until Mm -hmm. we started expanding out of it and being open. And dealers are on RV Trader as well. It's not just private sales, right? Correct. It is dealers and um, private sellers. And what's um, what's interesting too is one of the things that we see is that people that are coming to our site, 54% of them are actually looking for new units opposed to used. I, I wouldn't have thought of that, that you could actually go to RV Trader to look for new units. And there's all, so many times there's like good, you know, good specials on them. You can get great financing on these brand new units. So you can get a really nice brand new, brand new rig for, you know, in some cases less than you might pay for a used one. What are some of the top searches on RV Trader? What are what are people looking for? So I'll give you the top five from manufacturers. So first is Forest River, followed by Winnebago, Keystone, Jayco, and Coachman. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And when you're lo- talking about the actual like categories, so the type, um, I don't think this is a surprise at all. It's travel trailer first. This is where I get a little bit surprised, followed by Class A, Class C, my fiver made it uh, fourth on the list, and then Class B. And we do see those kind of swap a bit between like your fifth wheel and your Class C might might move around a little bit. So a lot of people go on to RV Trader and they might be looking at an RV that is far away. Do a lot of people then go see these RVs? Are they buying some of them sight unseen? You know, it's a, what a great question. Yes, we see that actually a lot more than, than you would think. And I would say from my own personal experience, um, I definitely am type person. I like to touch everything, look at it. I want to open cabinets. I would have told you I would never probably buy something sight unseen. Yet we um, chatted and we text and we spoke to this dealership in Illinois. We're in Virginia. Um, they had the unit that we, that we wanted. We did a lot of research on it all online, all on RV trader. And, um, we knew that this was the unit we wanted. We asked him a whole bunch of questions and we got super comfortable and we bought our RV from an Illinois, um, dealer and never saw it till the owner of the dealership pulled it into my driveway. Wow. I could not be happier again with it. It was, it was the right unit for for our family, but I still to this day, I'm always surprised by myself that I bought something, a big purchase like this without actually opening a cabinet. But, you know, looking at the hundreds and hundreds of photos and different angles and the dealership was so great to work with us to send us videos. And he walked around the unit, um, which we have videos on RV trader also, but he did, you know, separate videos for us and walked around the unit and, you know, talked to us on the phone about it and answered questions. I had a question about like a hook that I saw in a picture um, in like the closet. And I said, I see this hook, like this closet looks smaller than it might be. Can you know, can you measure that for me? And he went and he measured it for me. He made it an amazing buying experience, even though we never, never met him (laughs) till he pulled in my driveway. One of the things that's hard for people when they're looking to buy a new RV too, is they hear stories from people about, they love this certain brand. They hate this certain brand. This one has issues. This one doesn't. And there's not a lot of information that is concrete. Every brand seems to have issues now and then. And you never know based on the number sold, if that one, if that certain brand has a lot of issues or not. One of the things I like about RV Trader is that you do also have a spot where you can go click on RV reviews and you can see reviews of people of their individual units. And there are a lot of them. Oh, absolutely. That's part of the research. 
side, right? Like that's part of the research that you've got to do and, you know, look and read what other people are saying about the specific units. I think you've got to take some of it with a grain of salt. Yeah. When you're, when you're looking at it to your point, you know, all manufacturers are going to have things that are, that are good. You're going to have things that are not good that don't work for one family, but may work great for another family goes back to being open. Yeah. And I think it's not about, about just looking at, you know, how many stars does this RV have? It's about going in and reading the reviews and seeing what are the things that they don't like? And is that something that I wouldn't like, or maybe I would like that thing. Um, But I don't know of another place that has anywhere near as many reviews on individual rigs and and brands. And I I think this is, you know, it's sort of a hidden gem of a place to find all those sorts of little details that you might have to ask. Like, like if you're buying something on Amazon and you go through the reviews and see if your question's been asked there. Yes, absolutely. Please check out our reviews. It's right on the actual top nav of um, RV Trader. They can go in and they can look through everything, but we've got um, tons of reviews on there. Really good ones. So we've established that you're a a big RVer. What are some of the things that you really like to do when you're camping? I think you're you're a foodie, right? Uh, We are. We are big foodies. So... We like to, as a family, kind of plan our trip and what we're going to bring. And we like to look on Pinterest for like good ideas of um, camping food and things that we can bring. Our favorite camping meal that we do as a family is our shrimp boats. So we get our tinfoil out and then we bring, we get shrimp. Um, We usually do like I cut up andouille sausage and corn on the cob that I split and a little bit of butter and Old Bay, and we all make our own boats in tinfoil, and then we put it on put it on the fire, and you know, easy cleanup, really good. Our kids love it, um, so it's one of my favorite meals. I would recommend anybody to try it out. What's the best RV or camping advice anyone's ever given you? I would say it it would be um, it'd be unplugging, just relaxing, and and taking advantage of of all the things that there are to do when you go camping. It's, you know, my favorite part of camping is probably that first 30 minutes after we get to our campsite where we take our um, calendar of events that we got from the front of the the campground when we checked in and we, you know, kind of sit down and as a family, we, we talk about what are the things that we're going to do while we're here? What are the things that we, what events do we want to go to? So that's probably, I would say the best advice I got was um, do those events that they have for you when you're camping. The campgrounds are spending all this time, energy, personnel, money of making fun events for people to make their experiences fun while they're camping. I say, take advantage of those. Uh, one thing I, I want to add, if, if somebody wants to sell their RV on RV Trader, what what's the process for that? And, and how does that work for people? Sure. So we make it super easy for anyone to sell their RV on RV Trader, starting as low as $29.95 for you to put up your unit. And it's very self-guided. It's super easy for you to go in and, um, just go to the top of RV Trader and it will say sell for $29.95. Click there and then it will have the whole get started process for you. So it makes it makes it really easy. I always tell everybody before you're getting ready to go and uh, put up your RV, spend the time taking the photos. It's all about putting the right pictures there. Tell your story through your description. When we were posting, um, we've had three different RVs that we've that we've sold or two different RVs that we've sold. Um, and each time, like we wrote our description out about like, what do we like about it? And you know, why has it been a good, good RV for our, so sell it through, sell it through your description and sell it through your lens of why it's been a good unit for you. Most people are, that are selling an RV are also looking for an RV. So think about what you're looking mm-hmm. for in a listing. You're right. It's like, think about all the things that you would want to know when you were looking for it. So when you're writing your, writing your description. With our first RV, it was very small. We had a 19 footer with no um, slides and it was our very first one we've ever bought. And it was great for us when we had um, one son and then we had our second son 
And when he was seven weeks old, we were out camping with him and, you know, both kids and it was a little tight for us. And we basically sat down then my husband and I, and we wrote the description while we were camping because we were like back and forth online while we were camping, looking at new RVs because we knew we were going to want to get something a little bit bigger um, on that trip. And then we were also writing our, our description and we were having fun with it because we were actually camping at the time. And so we were like in our camper writing about all the things that we liked about it. And we sold it super fast um, on RV Trader. I posted it while we were driving home. Paige Boma, thanks so much for joining us. If people want to sell their RV or buy their RV through RV Trader, where do they go? They're going to go to rvtrader.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, or Twitter. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Have fun. For weeks, you've heard us talking about our new favorite organizational app for all things RV, Togo. Togo has created an ecosystem of offerings that completely digitize the RV operational experience. Checklists, how-to guides, instructional videos, and more, all designed by RVers for RVers. And if you didn't catch episode 91, the best internet option on the road, check it out to hear about their brand new all-in-one internet connectivity kit, Togo Roadlink. With state-of-the-art hardware, Roadlink C2 is a powerful Wi-Fi booster combined with a 4G LTE antenna, a small all-in-one dome that easily installs on your roof and can be controlled by an app instead of a clunky portal. And if that isn't enough, Roadlink has joined forces with AT&T to offer unlimited 4G LTE data plans specifically for RVers. Whether you're a full-timer, weekend warrior, Togo is designed to make your life easier. Simplify your travel experience and download the Togo app, spelled T-O-G-O, in the U.S. Apple Store or Google Play. An RV that runs with Togo enjoys more miles and less trials. Two weeks ago, we announced that we were giving away a Roadlink C2, and it's time to announce the winner. (laughs) Dwight Jewell is our winner. Check your email, Dwight. You've won the Roadlink C2, and if you didn't win, go out and get yourself one from Togo because this is an absolute must for anybody that is going to spend a lot of time out on the road. This is the best data plan available anywhere. Jason, you know everyone's waiting for you to say it. It's a game changer. Okay, thank you. Moving on now. It's time for your favorite segment where we talk about all the good and all the bad that's happening in the RV world, in our world, and anywhere. I was going to say... I don't, I very rarely talk about what's going on in the RV world when it's fresh tank time. It's time for fresh tank, black tank. Abby, what is your fresh tank for the week? Two words for you, Mr. Epperson. Avengers, end game. Mic drop, done. Don't even need to talk about it. If you have, oh, no, wait, I am going to say this. If you haven't seen it, if you don't care about superhero movies, if you don't care about Marvel, if you don't care about Avengers, that's totally fine. You should still see this movie. It, it is it really good. It's so good. It is so well put together. I'm just chomping at the bit to talk to people about it, but I know that I can't because we don't want to give anything away. It was a very fitting end to uh, this massive set of Marvel movies about superheroes. I didn't think it was possible to cry as many times as I cried in this movie. I didn't think you could cry at a Marvel movie as much as I did. What is your black tank for this week? Ooh. My black tank this week, and this is something that has irked me from the moment I moved to Chicago and had to start walking around downtown. My black tank this week, because we've been experiencing it a lot here in Mobile, are people who are in the left-hand lane, the light turns, and they've got a, and we get to walk. We're, okay, let me set this up. I need to cross the street, right? Okay, everybody's also waiting for their light to turn. There's an individual who wants to turn left. They're not going to get a left turn arrow. They're going to get a yield on green. But that that light turns and they zip to take that left before anyone else can start going forward. And as people are walking out into the crosswalk, you're standing there waiting to cross the crosswalk and they know you're there. Yeah, they know you're there. They know you're standing there with three They're small children. Trying to beat you. They're trying to beat you. And that has happened so many times. And people are so notorious for doing that in Chicago. Yeah. And you're literally like, I'm walking here. They don't care. They don't care that you're walking. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, and it happens quite a bit here in the South, too. Got to say, you you Southerners have been incredibly nice to us all the time, wherever we go. Everybody's been very nice to us, except on the road, except when you have to get in your car and then we need to cross the street. <laughs> we watched uh, an accident. Yeah, happen we watched a bad one in an intersection earlier this week. I'm pretty sure that someone was not paying attention to the lights. They had flashing red lights and the car just plowed right on through, plowed right into the side of this Mustang. They jumped the curb. I mean, it was. They jumped the curb. They took out the traffic light control box. It was crazy. And we continued walking. You know, we were about a block away from it when it all happened. And we walked and we kept going. And we passed a mobile police officer who said to us. Hey, be careful out there. People here don't pay attention to the traffic lights. There you go. That's my black tank for this week. People, pay attention to your traffic lights. What's your fresh tank this week? My fresh tank this week is a a new partnership uh, from Thor Industries, the largest RV manufacturer in the world. And the God of Thunder. And (laughs) and the God of Thunder. Who is amazing in Endgame, just saying. And KOA, Campgrounds of America, the largest campground chain in America. Not the God of Thunder. They are partnering to encourage RVers to pick up America. And where would they like us to take it? Not pick it up like with our bare arms, right? They want us to pick up the trash across America. They want oh. us to clean up America. Well, I thought maybe we were going to try out a new corner of the earth. <laughs> no. <laughs> could you imagine? Be like, could you just pick this up and maybe take it down to some more, like down to the Bahamas? Can we just go down to the Caribbean for a while? So their big goal is to remove a minimum of five tons of trash from public lands in the coming months. So summer travelers are enjoying their outdoor activities in the campgrounds or at their KOA or wherever. They want people to pick up garbage along the way. And to keep track of your progress, they want you to go to pickupamerica.com and pledge how many garbage bags of trash that you'll fill and get rid of. You can post your efforts on social media and engage with others in the program. But throughout the month of May, participate in KOA campgrounds. We'll be giving out specially branded bags that you can pick up and fill and you can return them to the KOA or to any KOA across the country and they'll dispose of the trash for you. Uh, or you can just, you know, get rid of it yourself. Right, so that was going to be my it's question. Honor so, system. Yeah. Like, so let's say I was about to ask you, do I have to return it to a KOA in order to count my bag no, of trash? No, you can count it. You're, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's an honor system. It's an honor system. It's all on you. But, you know, I think this is just a great thing, you know, whether you go to their website and 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 pledge or not. I think it's a good thing to just for us as our viewers to get together and decide, hey, we're going to pick up other people's trash. It's OK. You know, it's out there. We're going to grab it because, you know, America is pretty messy. There's trash all over this country, especially in our public lands. And I think uh, I think it's a great idea for us to be pledging to pick it up. Do you get anything like is this like a pledge like, you know, how in the readathons when you were kids and you would read so many books and then you would get to pick out like X amount of things. Not that I'm saying I should have to have an award or an incentive to go and pick up trash. The incentive and the reward is just a clean public space. I'm just curious because usually these are attached to pick up so many bags and here's a five dollar gift certificate to KOA. No, you don't get a reward. But okay. Yeah, like you said, the reward is, you know, a clean country. Just asking so that we can pick it up and move it. But I'm looking on their website and they've already had 81% of their five ton goal pledged. So people are people are wow. apparently responding to this. And good job, uh, RVers. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Again, that website address is pickupamerica.com. We'll link to that in the show notes. My black tank this week is another article I read about some of the changes that are happening in Yellowstone as the grizzly population increases. Grizzly bears numbered maybe 400 about three or four decades ago, and they have been on a big recovery. In Yellowstone, there are up to 700 grizzly bears. That increased grizzly bear population, along with the increased number of people visiting Yellowstone, is causing more and more interactions between people and the bears. And that's a problem. And uh, and also a lot of people that have been going to Yellowstone for years or, you know, they went when they were a kid, they 
they're not practicing a lot of the bear safety stuff that is necessary, uh, especially now that this grizzly population has increased because before they weren't running into grizzlies. So hold on. You're not black tanking the grizzly bears. No, I'm black black tanking tanking the people throwing a fit. The people throwing a fit about, yes, you know, not keeping their food inside their hard sided RV or inside bear proof containers. uh, You know, like a pelican cooler. Absolutely. Cooking outside, leaving, you know, letting pieces of food fall to the ground, uh, not putting their trash in the bear proof trash receptacles provided. Uh, And not carrying bear spray on some of those long hikes where you really have to have bear spray now. It's just an absolutely essential item. And most everybody in the party should have it with them. We need someone to start a campaign that is pickupyourattitude.com. Yeah. Because it's super cool that we are no longer threatening the wildlife population in all of these public lands, but instead they're starting to thrive again. So if we want to go to their home because it's their home, not ours, it's their home, then, you know, that's on you. That's on you. If you leave your stuff out, I'm sorry, you know, Gus the Grizzly, he's probably going to come hang out in your sight that night. When they have a bear that ends up, you know, making choices that it learned from behaviors, from interactions with people, whether it be going after their food or whatever, you know, often they have to go in and kill that bear. And that's really sad. 69 grizzlies died in in the Yellowstone ecosystem in 2018 of those 700. That's a lot. Um, And a lot of a lot of those deaths, they say over half of the the deaths of grizzly bears, whether it's hunting or whether it's one of these um, issues, whether it's traffic related, some, you know, they get hit by cars. Over half of the deaths of these bears are human caused. That's unfortunate. So anyway, that's my black tank this week. Um, maybe next week we're going to put the fresh tank second. I feel like we, that. need to, that's a Debbie I we need to have an upbeat. All right. It is time for the new brain teaser. I know you have been waiting patiently all week, Abby. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I was checking Instagram. I say, <laughs> it is time for the new brain teaser. I know you've been waiting patiently oh. all week. Abby. I've been doing brain teasers. I bought a booklet to get better at this. And how have you been doing? I haven't done one yet. I've been doing, I mean, I've been <laughs> is, doing is great. It making a nice coaster. I've been, yeah, I've been you. doing great. Yeah. It's how I fall asleep at night. I cover you and give you warmth, though I am sometimes a bother. I began to help you from the beginning, but it took me a little while to form. What am I? You don't have to answer. <laughs> you look at me. You look, it's like you look over, you do this thing, you go, what am I? And you look over at me and I sense that it's my cue to say something. And uh, I got, I mean, it sounds like I mean, a if you answered, it would be pretty anticlimactic for yeah, the people that wanting to I know, enter. I know. So if you think you know the answer, please send us an email at editor at rvmiles.com or a message on any of our social media accounts. And you might win a Not All Who Wander Are Lost t-shirt, which is available from the new RV Miles gear store where you can buy both the Not All Who Wander Are Lost t-shirt. But you can also buy our uh, you can also buy that same design in stickers and in tote bags and coffee mugs and sweatshirts. And you can also get our From Sea to Shining Sea t-shirt, which is. Uh, it's sort of a buffalo. It's in the shape of a buffalo and it's got a bunch of different National Park Service logos on it. It's teespring.com, T-E-E spring.com slash stores slash RV dash miles, which you're not going to remember. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Looking to connect with other RVers and access tons of great resources and discounts? From motorhomes, travel trailers, fifth wheels, bus conversions, and more, FMCA is here to enhance your RV lifestyle. For as little as $5 a month, you can travel with peace of mind knowing FMCA has your back. Deals and discounts include RV insurance, roadside rescue, and tire savings programs, plus their medical emergency and travel assist program is included free. And we wanted to give you an example of how this medical emergency and travel assistance program works. It's called FMCA Assist, or the A is used for both the FMCA and assist. So it's <laughs> FMC assist. <laughs> but 
They gave us they gave us an example here uh, to share with you. While on an RV trip in Virginia, a member was doing some maintenance work on his motorhome, and his ladder collapsed. It caused him to fall and break his wrist, and he needed surgery. So FMCA Assist took care of all the aspects of the emergency trip home. Within two days, he was able to begin medical treatments. Another FMCA member experienced a medical emergency while wintering in Arizona. He was hospitalized for pneumonia and uh, had an irregular heartbeat. His doctor advised that he should not drive home, so FMCA Assist arranged to have one of his family members flown to Arizona in order to drive the RV to the member's home in Iowa. That's the kind of help you're going to get when you're in a jam because your health insurance might take care of a lot of your, your actual medical problems, but it doesn't take care of getting, getting you back to safety. And, and FMCA is going to help you out with that. Yeah. And if you are interested in becoming an FMCA member, a yearly membership is only $60, but RV Miles listeners can save $10 with code RVMILES19. Just visit fmca.com slash RVMILES19 and click or click on the link in our show notes. It is time for a gear recommendation. Uh, we don't plan on doing these every week, but we've been doing them every week for the last few weeks. And we have another gear recommendation for you. This one comes from Abby because she is the only one in the family who has this really cool item that I'm jealous of. Yes. And you should be jealous of it. It is a phone case. Now, before you just, you know, turn the volume down and be like, I don't understand what this has to do with traveling. This phone case is super cool because it's got a super cool travel design on it. (laughs) <laughs> but it also has a lot of really great features. It's from Keyway Designs. They are a Toronto-based company that is hand-making all of these iPhone cases. They are specifically working on just iPhones. I have an iPhone 8 Plus, and what they do is you can get either wood or leather. Again, these are all made in-house. And this is probably, as a traveler, your phone, if you use it like we do, you are using it to document videos, pictures, you're in the national parks, you're in a new city, you're in your campground. This is sort of your lifeline to kind of keep all your memories in one place. This phone case is one of the most sturdy, safest phone cases I feel like I've ever had my phone in. And yet at the same time, it does not add any weight. It's got really fantastic grips along the side, which is something that we don't normally experience on a phone case. And that's going to go all the way around. But what I love about it is it's wood or leather and they have plenty of outdoor themed designs on the back. So mine is called the Nomad and it's got a forest scene etched into the wood with a campfire. They've got a they've got a grizzly bear. They've got a, a Jeep going uphill if you're into Jeep life. You know, there are so many different they've got a tent. There's just it's a really, really smart company. And they're also incredibly affordable. $33 for this phone case. And when you think about an OtterBox. Yeah. That, that is, ha- yeah, that isn't nearly as well, much. You don't, you just don't often see, I mean, it's something unique. I always love unique things and you don't often see a wooden phone case and it, but it works as well as or better than a lot of regular phone cases. So you've got the wood on the back and the rubber grip all around the outside. It's, it's, it's really smart Yeah, and, and, and it looks really classy. Yeah. And I'm, you know, full disclosure too. I mean, they sent this to us for us to try out and you know what? We could have loved it or hated it. And it could have been something that I kept my phone in or I went back to my old case, which I was perfectly satisfied with my old case too. I will absolutely be keeping my phone in this. I really do like it. And I also really appreciate the company. They give 5% of their sales to water aid, which is a organization that is working to bring fresh water and hygiene into developing nations. And they're currently in 35 countries across the world. So again, it's a small company that's doing their part to give back. And we have seen companies, these organizations, these corporations, that they're really the ones now going out and doing the work to preserve and protect and take care of our natural resources and bring what every human deserves, which is fresh drinking water as well. And that's what Water Aid is doing. And Keyway is supporting that. And I appreciate it. All right. On that note, it is time to wrap up this show. For links to everything we talked about on today's episode, visit rvmiles.com slash 93. 
And if you are interested in checking out America's National Parks podcast, because we also have that podcast as well, this week's episode is on the Cuyahoga Valley National Park and what they did to restore a river there. So you can check that out anywhere you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. America's National Parks is there. Oh, yeah, it is. And we are also all across social media. We're just everywhere, y'all. You can find us at rvmiles.com and then just search RV Miles on your favorite social media platform. And then Jason and I, Jack, Ethan and Henry, we are over at ourwanderingfamily.com. And we, too, are all across the social medias. Just search Our Wandering Family. We want to thank our sponsors, L.L. Bean, the FMCA, PelicanCoolers.com. And Togo. But we also specifically and most importantly want to thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here with us every week. If you're not over on the RV Miles Facebook group, we would love to have you over there. It's a great group of people that are chatting about all kinds of things about travel, RV life, camping. You got anything else to say before we get out of here? Keep vlogging those RV Miles. Ah. What? Bye, everybody. Bye.